Hey, it's Gareth. Just a quickie before we get into this episode of Dissecting Dexter. Of course, it's Sod's Law that uh, news like this comes out just after posting a podcast episode, and it's not like I post them very often, so definitely Sod's Law in action. But a couple of hours after posting, we've received the very sad news over the news wires that actor Ray Stevenson has sadly passed away. Uh, He died in Italy yesterday. That was Sunday, the 21st of May, 2023, at the age of 58. So that's no age at all. Um, Long-term viewers of Dexter will know that he played Isaac Serko and uh, was certainly a character that I enjoyed. He's an actor I enjoyed as well. I I was a big fan of his prior to Dexter. He, um, for me, he rose to... uh, uh, rose to prominence uh, in the TV series Rome, playing uh, Titus Pullo, an absolute maniac, but a very lovable maniac. <laughs> Great actor. He's been in all sorts of things. And of course, coming up this summer in the new TV series, uh, Star Wars TV series, Ahsoka. So looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, but um, just wanted to put this out there. So of course, in light of this news, this episode of Dissecting Dexter is dedicated to the late, great Ray Stevenson. Hey everybody and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host Gareth Watkins coming to you from the immobile studio deep in the heart of Yorkshire, England, where I have to start with an apology. Yes, it's one of those Long-term listeners will unfortunately be familiar with this from time to time, where I just go offline for months at a time, at least as far as the rewatch is concerned. As I record today, it is the 22nd of May 2023, which means it's been a year since the last time we checked in together with Dexter and Miguel. And for that, I'm sorry. Honestly, and I don't usually talk about personal stuff, but it's been a, a a crazy and challenging year. But I'm glad to say we've got through it and things are good. Here in England, we're enjoying, or we have been enjoying over the weekend, uh, the nicest spell of weather of the year so far. The weekend was absolutely glorious. We've had family time and I've been busy planting in the garden, sat outside, had a few beers, listened to some music, enjoyed the sunshine. It's been lovely, really nice. I also spent a bit of time re-watching a season three episode of Dexter, would you believe? And it was it was great to be back in Miami with our old friends. I've missed it and honestly I've missed talking to you. <laughs> To be fair, though, the podcast hasn't been completely offline for a whole year. We've had a couple of episodes talking about Dexter News, and it's always good to get some of that in 2023. We've maybe got some stuff to look forward to. But, of course, we're not here to talk about new stories in the Dexterverse. We're here to look back on older ones. This is a rewatch podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thank you. And let me assure you, we are spoiler free here, which means that if you've not seen the whole Dexter series, you don't need to worry. We'll only be talking about plot that's come before and nothing yet to come. If you like what you hear, 
I hope you'll subscribe to the feed and stick around. And if you really like what you hear, maybe you'd like to support the podcast by becoming a patron. For as little as £1 a month, proceeds help cover the cost of the show, particularly the hosting. As always, my eternal thanks go to all my lovely patrons. As a proper thank you, I'm planning some Patreon-exclusive episodes, and I'm open to your suggestions for anything you'd like me to cover. I thought maybe opening the floor to Dexter-related questions, or perhaps there's a particular... Maybe there's a particular topic you'd like me to talk about or think about. Maybe there's a particular scene that you'd like me to dig into. Perhaps one that we didn't cover too well on the podcast. These would be shorter bonus episodes to go out to Patreon supporters. I think it's always nice to get a thank you at a mention on the podcast, but I think it's right that you guys get a bit more of a reward for your ongoing support. You know I appreciate it and I like to give a bit more back. I'll talk more about it in the weeks to come, but if you'd like to help out through Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash dissectingdexter. Okay, let's dive into another episode, shall we? We won't keep Dexter and Miguel waiting any longer. We are talking about Season 3, Episode 9, Easy as Pie. Original air date, the 5th of June, 2009. Written by Lauren Gussis and directed by Steve Schill, directing his fourth Dexter episode. We open on what's clearly a dream sequence. Dexter in the process of dismembering a kill. How lovely. Not Galt, who we offed last time, but someone we've never seen before. Someone comes in and for a moment Dexter thinks it's Harry. He's the only one to have witnessed Dexter in the act like this and we remember how he reacted to that. Not well. But no, it's Miguel who doesn't flinch for a second at what's on the table. It's that recurring notion again of Dexter wanting to be himself with someone who isn't repulsed by the truth. When he wakes up, he and Rita are in bed and they have a funny little conversation laced with double meaning for us as viewers. Ever have those dreams when you're exposed? All the time. I show up at school bottomless. Body parts out in the open, exactly. It's an anxiety dream. It's probably about the wedding. That must be it. It's a stressful time. But hey, we get each other, right? They go on to talk about wedding plans and Rita's pressing Dexter for his guest list. Not a long list for someone who keeps himself pretty well isolated. He can't think of anyone other than Deb. The list grows a little with Rita's help, but it's still a short one. Not surprisingly, knowing Dexter as we do. On his way to work, Dexter calls into the hospice where Camilla has been moved to spend her remaining time, however long that is. She does not look well, but she makes it clear that she can't wait to die. We know she misses her late husband and wants to join him. For Dexter, it's a connection to his past and particularly his adopted father. She gives him a box of old photos, many of them taken by Harry's wife, Doris. 
They look like real ones of Michael C. Hall in his younger years. Camilla's made all her funeral plans and Dexter seems to feel it's a bit morbid to talk about. But she reminds him that it'll be a relief for her and can't wait to see her husband again when she passes. Dexter takes his leave at that point and she reminds him about getting her that perfect key lime pie. I wonder if he feels awkward thinking about what comes after death. We've never seen Dexter consider anything spiritual. And perhaps that's one of those things that makes his head hurt to think about. At Miami Metro, Ramon Prado is kicking against having to hand over his badge and take early retirement as a consequence of his previous actions, uncovered by Deb and Quinn. Miguel is there and trying to talk sense to him. He's a loose cannon, of course, like we've talked about before, but understandably upset by the unsolved death of his brother. Ramon faces serious jail time if he doesn't comply, although he makes a fair point that Miguel would want to keep the Prado name from being sullied by scandal. Miguel thanks LaGuerta for her consideration and being open to the deal. She has a look on her face, though, as he leaves. The seeds of doubt are there in her mind. Miguel is very uptight, though, and feels the need to let off steam. He arranges to meet Dexter at the driving range after work. Masuka overhears and makes a funny wisecrack about Dexter being a kiss-ass, buddying up to the ADA. We join the team in a Skinner briefing being led by Batista. They need leads, and he suggests that they use Anton as bait, who is still officially a confidential informant, remember. Put the word out that he knows where Freebo is. Deb's not happy about it, though, and we get a moment that makes our friend Travis very happy. Ramos, Ramos and Sodaquist get a mention, those two detectives who occasionally get seen and mentioned by name but never have any lines. This Skinner thing is still very much the B story for the season, playing second fiddle to Dexter and Miguel's bromance. I've been a little unsure how deeply to dig into the Skinner story as it's mostly just keeping our supporting cast busy, although it's good to see Deb's career as a detective getting started with this. She's pissed about using Anton as bait and Quinn seems a bit nonchalant about it. However, Batista is putting him under surveillance for protection and hoping the Skinner pops up. Dexter picks this inopportune moment to ask Deb whether she's bringing a date to the wedding. Just a classic example of Dexter not reading the room and being sensitive to how someone's feeling. Even when she makes a sarcastic remark about being too busy picking up bits of Anton to be there at all, he suggests he puts her down as a maybe. <laughs> it's dark humour, but sometimes you think, oh, for God's sake, Dexter. Dissecting Dexter. I kind of have a thing about blood. Quinn grabs Deb to go visit Wendell's mother, who's apparently got some information about his murder, while Masuka grabs Dexter to go to a crime scene with him. We follow Deb and Quinn first. Deb makes a meal out of climbing from the car as there are loads of cut palm fronds in the road. Quinn comments about the city cutting the trees. On the face of it, it seems like an odd, random thing to put in her way. Maybe just there to put her in an even worse mood, or maybe a clue. Writers rarely do things like this by accident. Anyway, Wendell's mum, Mrs Owens, is really upset. She's found Deb's card in her son's shorts and blames the police for bringing attention to him. Attention that led to his murder. Poor woman, you can't blame her being mad. Deb's 
taken aback and upset herself. Her face says it all. Shout out here to actor Dee Freeman, who plays Mrs Owens here. She steals the scene with a brief but heartbreaking performance condensed into this one-minute scene. I looked her up on IMDb and she's been mostly a guest star in stuff. An episode of this, an episode of that. I thought she did good here. We then cut to Dexter, who's checking out a crime scene. A woman lies dead on the floor and Dexter regards the family photo on the side and muses how married life with children, how you don't expect it to end in tragedy unless you're Dexter. (laughs) We know he's worried about getting married, Rita's pregnancy and what impact his darkness might have on that. He's just speculating and maybe catastrophizing needlessly. Now, now there's a good word, catastrophizing. (laughs) I've been guilty of doing that myself on occasion. Not that I'm a serial killer. No, really. Anyway, they examine the scene and come up with theories. The blood evidence indicating the perp was just in their socks. It gives Masuka an idea for a possible subject, suspect, one Albert Chung. He has form for breaking and entering in his socks, escaping justice previously after the elderly victim failed to pick him out of a lineup. Were you thinking what I'm thinking? As we zoom in on Dexter's face, you hear his cogs whirring. A murderer who's escaped justice? Sounds like a table and shrink wrap could be in his future. Dexter tells Miguel about it while they're golfing at the driving range. Miguel's concerned that if Chung gets apprehended, his lawyer will get him off again. He's got an appetite for killing with Dexter, but rather than suggesting Chung could be a good starting point for him, he's got someone else in mind. He wants to target Ellen Wolfe. He blames her for allowing people like Chung to get back out there and hurt someone else. We know Miguel's got a big issue with Ellen Wolf. This is very personal for him. For Dexter, his kills have never been driven by a personal vendetta or a need for vengeance. His detachment has helped him stay undetected and free. Miguel, allowing his personal feelings to direct him like this, it's a risk. And while he's associating with Dexter, it's a risk to him too. Dexter doesn't say this in the scene, but he does try to direct Miguel back towards the code, saying Ellen's never killed anyone, but Miguel's not placated. Dex agrees to keep an open mind, but he's not ready to break the code. He does go and visit Camilla again, taking her another key lime pie and finds her in a right state. She's really upset because the latest tests show her cancer's growth has slowed, so they've given her an extra month or so to live rather than the imminent death she'd been expecting and welcoming. Margot Martindale's so good as Camilla. I've probably said this before. You you can completely buy how fed up she is and how she's so ready to pass on. She tells Dexter that her husband Jean wanted her to help end his life, but she couldn't do it because, as a Catholic, it would be a mortal sin and a one-way ticket to hell. I can't take my own life either. But you're not Catholic. No. I'm definitely not Catholic. But I I do live by a certain code. Of course you do. Harry 
you're right. So what I'm about to ask you is the most terrible thing anyone can Camilla, I don't... Just help me. Please. You're strong. Martindale there. You can really empathise with her. And Dexter too. It's a seriously big request. And I wonder at this point if Camilla actually knows that Dexter's a killer. She acknowledges Dexter's code here, but is that more thinking that Harry brought Dexter up with good personal values rather than the code Dexter kills by? She doesn't know he's a serial killer. She's asking him here as a friend. Someone who wouldn't be compromising any religious beliefs by helping her in this way. It is a massive request, but one that comes from her own desperation to be free of the pain and, she hopes, to see Jean again. In voiceover, Dexter says how it would break the code to kill an innocent, and even more so if it was a friend. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. We rejoin Deb, checking on Anton. Now... I must admit, I find his character a bit bland and their relationship just not very engaging. He's inoffensive and hasn't done anything wrong specifically, but I, I, uh, I just don't find their scenes together terribly interesting. Deb tips him off in a roundabout way so he realises that the Skinner could be looking for him and that the cops could be setting him up. She wants him to leave town to stay safe, and he seems to reluctantly agree. Whether it's just to placate her, we'll see. And we'll see if he actually does it. Back with Dexter, he's giving some thought to Camilla's request, but he's uneasy about breaking the code. He's also considering Miguel's suggestion that they target Ellen Wolfe. She's not a murderer, but Dexter wonders whether the code could be bent a little bit to include those who allow murderers to kill, in this case, a defence attorney. We then catch up with Rita. She's out working with Sylvia Prado, who talks about Miguel, how when they're alone, he retreats into some dark places and that she feels that he's got secrets, lying about where he is. Rita empathises about how Dexter did the same, but she's of course talking about events from season two when he pretended to be an addict. He attended group and ended up with a new girlfriend. Rita realises quickly she's inadvertently leading Sylvia down the same road of suspicion that maybe Miguel's having an affair. Sylvia can hardly believe that Dexter's the type to do that. It's funny, if she she knew the actual truth, would she find that easier to believe? (laughs) We get a quick scene between Batista and Gianna, where they're having a fun chat about school nicknames, but then he gets totally friend-zoned. Poor bloke, he he doesn't have much luck, does he? Meanwhile, Ellen Wolfe calls in on LaGuerta, who expresses her concern that she's too close to the Prado family. Ellen lays out some of the potential issues she has with them. 
missing evidence, witness intimidation, jury tampering, all serious allegations. Ellen set up a meeting with Miguel to discuss the terms of Albert Chung's surrender. So Miguel was right about her representing him. LaGuerta's not impressed with her defending such a person, although Ellen says if Miguel ever got arrested, she'd happily defend him too. If true, that perhaps says quite a bit about her about her integrity and strength of character. She just completely believes in the law and everyone's right to a defence. Which you can kind of get behind, can't you? Maybe she's not the pariah that Miguel makes her out to be. Deb goes to see Dexter in his office. She's working hard to find a new lead on the Skinner, and she's also fresh from tipping off Anton about the investigation team wanting to use him to draw out the Skinner. She asks Dexter if he's ever compromised an investigation for personal reasons. Never, he lies. Oh... In the history of falsehoods, that has to rank up there with the best of them. That's a doozy among doozies. <laughs> I mean, did Dexter not watch season two? <laughs> Deb notices the photos from Camilla, and she's sad to hear that she's suffering slowly. And no hope of getting better. Just shoot me if I ever get like that. Really? Kelly, yes. I'd do the same for you. Pull the plug, put a pillow over your head, whatever. I'll never let you suffer. You wouldn't, would you? Yeah, she said that. But the moment's quickly over as they're interrupted by LaGuerta. Next, I has to enter the lion's den with Miguel and Ellen facing off about Albert Chung. Dexter realises that Miguel wants him to see what a horrible person she is, deserving of the knife. Dexter presents the blood evidence, placing Chung at the scene. And just as I'd been giving her some credit, Ellen shits all over Dexter's expertise, even suggesting he looks like the type to plant evidence. <gasps> Internally, Dexter wonders himself if plastic sheets are in her future. Oh boy, that was a cheap shot and very inflammatory. It annoyed me too and I only do a podcast about it. Miguel and Ellen get into it, firing shots across the table at each other. To be fair, both have valid points and Ellen affirms how everyone deserves a fair trial. Dexter, he looks quietly amused by it all, which made me smile too. He is a keen observer of human behaviour and he must have wished he had popcorn for this. However, as he leaves the room, he's seen enough to know she doesn't deserve to die for just doing a job as a defence attorney, even if she's doing it a bit too well. But he knows this won't be what Miguel wants to hear. Later, after leaving work, Batista catches Gianna in the parking lot and asks her to be his plus one at Dexter's wedding, despite having been friend-zoned earlier. She makes a remark about him not understanding the friendship thing and he comes across a bit forlorn. But she surprises him suddenly with a big kiss that leaves single guys everywhere with hope not to give up on someone you like. <laughs> Good on you, Angel. That evening, De Dexter visits... <coughs> Excuse me. Dexter visits Camilla again and she apologises for putting him in such a terrible position. He tells her that if he was someone else... 
he'd do it. She says she should have thought about his past before asking him to do such a thing. And this triggers some moody music and a concerned, hesitant look from Dexter. I know your secret, she says. In a callback to season one, she reveals that she knows about his brother, having read his file before she destroyed it. She knows Dexter wouldn't want to be like him and promises never to tell anyone about the relationship. You could never be like him, she says, at which Dexter looks her in the eye, to his credit, not looking away, but not arguing the point either. That's a relief to him, though. He was wondering what she was about to say. That could have been so much worse. Camilla has so much genuine affection for him. You make yourself into a monster so you no longer bear responsibility for what you do. You don't think there are monsters in this world? You don't believe people are evil? You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. I'll show you evil. Back at the office, Yuki Amado comes in and gives Deb a huge load of crap for scuppering her IA case against Quinn. Deb calls her out for just being a woman scorned after he dumped her. However, Amado says she's got her all wrong. She's after Quinn because he cut too many corners and caused another cop's death. She didn't want it to happen again. Something that gives Deb pause for thought. We join Dexter at the Prados, finding comfort in the ordinariness of a dinner party with friends. He wonders about the sense of belonging, spending time with friends and loved ones. It's something most of us can take for granted, perhaps, but thinking about it. It is reassuring, isn't it, to be surrounded by people we care about, and we hope care about us too. Dexter's not had a big circle around him. He's had Deb and Rita, but neither of them know the truth about him. Okay, Miguel's family wouldn't know either, but Miguel does, and he's not bothered by it. Quite the opposite. The situation brings positive benefits that Dexter seems to like. Miguel overreacts when a plate gets dropped. Sylvia tells Rita that he's gotten worse with his moods and withdrawing. Privately, Miguel asks Dexter about Ellen and gets told outright, we can't kill her. Dexter acknowledges that she's got people off who maybe shouldn't, but she's also been able to vindicate wrongly convicted people on death row and save their lives. Her work is in balance. Miguel admits his issue is personal, but she's put a target on his back. We know she sees him as part of the problem with the judicial system. Miguel is certainly not innocent. He loses his temper with Dexter, saying he should support him as a friend. He doesn't know just how careful Dexter's been to keep his code all this time. Like his brother, Miguel is seeming more like a loose cannon too, and he lets fly with some swear words and Dexter leaves. Back home, Rita knows something's up, but thinks Miguel's having an affair. Dexter confirms he's not, but that he is obsessed with someone. Rita mercifully doesn't press the subject, so he doesn't need to elaborate. Next day at work, Batista tells Dexter... He can bring a plus one to the wedding. He's all smiles and almost floating across the floor. <laughs> Bless him. Dexter's musing how he's now minus one with Miguel gone. But he thinks he's better off on his own. Which is interesting. How quickly he seems to have got over this. I think he's the unreliable narrator at work again here. He's not used to having a proper friend and maybe doesn't know how to process this. So he compartmentalises instead and puts Miguel into a box and shuts the lid. Simple as that. Easier that way. <laughs> For him, anyway. 
Masuka is reading the newspaper, moaning about Albert Chung still walking the streets. In a funny moment, Dexter notices how much they look like each other. Masuka's halfway through saying how racist that is before he stops and realises he's right. It's uncanny. Another nice bit of levity for the episode, what with all the heavy stuff with Camilla. Meanwhile, Deb's been at work all night and has a lead on the Skinner case. She's buzzing, monged out on caffeine. <laughs> Batista makes a funny comment about how the coffee's given her Tourette's. She's got a theory about the trees that sounds totally wacky. She recalls that they interviewed the tree trimmer at an earlier murder scene and now she's connecting the tree trimming and the tree trimmer. She finds that the trees have been freshly trimmed at the homes of all the victims. Her theory is that the trimmer is the killer and uses the trimming as cover for observing his potential victims. Quinn and Batista look gobsmacked and it really does sound like a crazy theory born from a sleepless night and too much coffee. Batista, though, gives her the green light to pursue the lead and check maintenance records. Deb looks jubilant but states that she can't get hold of Anton and thinks he's skipped town, which, of course, she practically told him to do. It really is tremendous work on her part and hopefully it pays dividends. LaGuerta goes to visit Ellen Wolfe at home. She's brought whiskey and wants to find common goals in order to deal with Albert Chung. It's a quick scene, but they're very friendly and seem happy to work together on this. Another quick scene is Dexter and Rita visiting Camilla. Rita's not met her before, and she quickly takes over from the carer to look after her. Camilla's coughing up some blood, and Dexter watches from the door. It's really sad to see, and looking at Dexter's face, I wonder now if he's starting to come round to agreeing to Camilla's request. Deb goes to Anton's house to check if he's there or if he's really, really skipped town. No, he's there with no intention of leaving town. Confident in whatever locks he has on his doors and whatever nosy neighbours he has. Deb's not happy though, but he acknowledges how she stuck her neck out for him. He agrees to be the bait that the police want and they have a snog. <laughs> Dexter goes to meet Miguel at a bar and we learn that Chung is in custody. LaGuerta and Ellen cooperated to create an opportunity for it to happen, and Miguel acknowledges Ellen's contribution to Chung now being in police hands. Miguel appreciates that Dexter was right about her, and admits he hates being told no. And they agree it was a trigger for him. He credits Dexter for being a true friend through all this, as Dexter gets the beers in, he questions whether he really is a good friend. We know that Dexter was protecting the code, and in turn protecting himself when he refused Miguel. I don't think being a good friend was in his head. He was looking out for himself there, protecting number one, but from Miguel's perspective, he sees it as Dexter protecting, Dexter protecting him, being a true friend. In another clumsy, rushed decision, Dexter asks Miguel to be his best man. Miguel's face lights up, he grins, seemingly happy to do it. But it seems that in the warm, fuzzy glow of being told he's a great friend, he just blurted out the question. Although, to be fair, he doesn't have many alternatives, does he? That evening, Dexter goes back to Camilla in the hospice. Key lime pie in hand. In voiceover, he quotes Miguel, saying a real friend does the hard thing. Dexter draws up a syringe of something and injects a piece of the pie. 
he decided to grant her request and allow her to die peacefully. He tells her that the pie will make her feel better and after a beat, she knowingly says thank you and eats. And as she starts to slip away... I'm doing a good thing, aren't I? And why does it feel so bad? She closes her eyes for the final time. Dexter's feeling things he doesn't recognise. He feels sadness. Maybe he feels love for this old family friend, for his friend. And grief for the imminent loss. He doesn't recognise them, but I think all these things are there. And when he talks about... Here's a thought. When he talks about Miguel being his first friend, what about Camilla? Doesn't she count? Anyway, yeah, I, I think all these different feelings are there. There's some degree of bewilderment on his face as he struggles to make sense of these foreign feelings. And the confession. Well, momentous honesty for him. But then again, he had nothing to lose. She was about to die, so she'd take it to a grave. But at least it gave him a moment of release in sharing that secret. And she didn't recoil. She told him he'd done good, killing his brother. What a relief for him and a comfort. He says how all the people he's killed, they all begged for mercy. And now, only now, does he understand what that means. He's learned a huge lesson in humanity today. And that's the episode. Decent episode, some funny bits and some bits... I found genuinely moving, even on this rewatch. Margot Martindale, she's such a talent, such a good actress. I'm a big fan of hers, as I probably said on a previous episode. Check out Justified Season 2 and Sneaky Pete if you want to see more good stuff from her. Anyway, we thought we'd seen a huge crack in our wonderful bromance, but they quickly kissed and made up, or made up and had a beer at least, followed by a request to be best man. Not unlike Dexter to blurt out something, but for now it seems they're bestest buddies again. Hooray! Right? Listener feedback. You know how much I love to hear from you. Email dissectingdexter at gmail.com Twitter at dissectdexter or the Facebook page www.facebook.com slash dissectingdexter I like emails, tweets, even voicemails. Since we last spoke, I've had some correspondence with quite a few of you, and I'd like to give a mention to Michaela Wilson and Kim Keller, also Chris in Scotland, who became a staple of the podcast Feedbackers during New Blood. He sent in a voicemail after the last news episode, and I'm really sorry that it seemed to have gotten lost in the ether and never made it as far as my inbox. It's always good to get voicemails, and it's a shame not to hear what Chris had to say, but I wanted to give him a mention. 
I also had an email from Emma Lou Main via Facebook. She was concerned there was an issue with the, the podcast feed as season three just stops halfway through. <laughs> if you're listening, Emma, you'll know now that it was not a technical fault. Only the speed at which I get these out. I will definitely finish what I started, I promise. Just bear with me as the wheels move at their own pace. But they do move. <laughs> Emma, thank you for your lovely message. I'm glad that you and so many others are still out there listening to what I have to say about this little TV show that we all love. And like you, season four is a favourite of mine too, and I can't wait to talk about it with you all. Also, I'd like to mention Russell Vaughan, who also reached out through Facebook. He first offered comments about the rewatch podcasts and then recommended a show called The Patient, uh, which I was able to catch up with and enjoyed very much. Steve Carell, like many comedy actors, does really great dramatic work too, and he's fantastic in this show. Check out The Patient. In the UK, you can see it on Disney+. Plus. Another listener joining the rewatch, Jenny Peterson, reached out a while back. Hello to you. Stephen Michael, also on Facebook, thanks for your comment about the mobile studio. I do have a tinge of nostalgia for the old mobile studio, recording in my lunch break. Maverick podcasting back then. <laughs> Warts and all, planes, birds, annoying colleagues and a fox hunt. It all happened there. <laughs> Finally, quick nod to our good friend Travis. Thanks for your support, buddy. We'll hear from you soon. And that's it for another episode. I'm really, really going to try and get back on track with this. Life has eased back a little, and I'm more optimistic now of having more opportunities to first watch an episode, prepare notes, and then record and edit. Fingers crossed these will come out a bit more often over the coming weeks and months. I would, I'd really like to get to the end of season four and <laughs> complete the rewatch before we get anything new from the Dexterverse. That's got to be doable, hasn't it? So with that in mind, we'll hopefully be getting together soon to dissect some more Dexter. Until then, thanks everyone for listening and sticking with me. I'm still very much here and intending to keep going with this. Thanks for your feedback and comments around social media. It's always nice to hear from anyone. And of course, special thanks again to those who support me through Patreon. Your kindness humbles me. Take care, everyone. Speak soon. <laughs>